the new era. Next level. Raw. In your face. Hard hitting. To the edge. PWE is talking sports. The all-star crew. Dan O'Mac. Big Kaz. Brokowski. A-V-Z. And the game changer. The new beginning is now. Welcome back. Talking sports with PWE. We're back. This is going to be the final episode of season two. We're going to do a little wrap up. We got a couple people missing here, but the ones that count and the ones that matter, they made it out tonight. I got Dan O'Mac. I got Jamal and I got AVZ. And we're going to hop right into it. UFC 276 is this Saturday. And as always, you know AVZ, he's going to give you his insight. He's going to let you know the top matches of this weekend and uh, what to look for. Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. So UFC 276, uh, they actually had a fight push. Uh, sorry, one of the fights pushed back. That was Misha Tate versus Lauren Murphy. That fight got pushed back to July 16th. So uh, we won't see, be seeing that one. But the other card of this show is actually pretty interesting. I'm not going to spend too long on it. But I will give you my picks. You got Sugar Sean O'Malley taking on Pedro Munoz. Who, and and uh, Pedro's been around for a long time. He's fought a lot of the top guys, you know, Frankie Edgar, et cetera, et cetera. Fortunately, he kind of like lost all those top guys, Garbrandt included. So, you know, he's one of those guys. He's kind of like, uh, you know, he's in the hunt. He's a consistent guy. Uh, but Sean O'Malley, I think, is going to take this one. Uh, I think it's going to be the Sugar Show. You know, he's surging. He's a star. Dana wants to push him. Great promo. Great on the mic. Great look. You're going to go far, kid. Sean O'Malley. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next fight, we got uh, Robbie Lawler versus uh, – uh, Bam Bam, yeah. Uh, Brian Barberino. Barberino. He's uh, so I so Robbie Lawler's last fight, he did retire Nick Diaz. Uh, Nick Diaz did not look ready for that fight. Robbie Lawler's been battle tested. He's been going. It's one of the greatest to ever do it. One of the most entertaining. Unfortunately, you know, it hasn't been awesome. He is in the twilight of his career. Bam Bam has been turning it up lately. Though he's always kind of been that like middling fighter. I think it might be Bam Bam's time. I think uh. I think Bam, uh, Bam Bam Barberina takes this one here. And, um, you know, I hope to see Robbie Lawler again. You know, maybe it would be cool to see him pick up a win here. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I, I think Robbie Lawler might – we might have seen that last win come, uh, come against uh, Nick Diaz there. So, then we got Sean Strickland versus Alex uh, Pierre. And so, okay, Sean Strickland has been absolutely surging – He's on a tear in the middleweight division. You know, I think he he should get shots in. Like he he's he's been awesome. He's been we have he's won the last five or six of his fights. And uh, Pereira is very interesting. He's very new. He's a kickboxing guy. Uh, he's like he's pretty new to MMA though. He's only had seven fights. Only lost the first one. Uh, this is his third fight in the UFC. And I think uh, he's going to be biting off more than he can chew. Uh, give me Sean Strickland, and I think that's going to be pretty dominant. But I do think it's going to be a decision. Now. Uh, let's talk about these two main events. Belts on the line, middleweight division, and featherweight. The champ, Israel Adesanya, defending against Jared Kennedy. I'm going to talk about that one first. Um, Izzy, you know, he's a cult of personality, man. He's the style bender. Everyone knows him. He's a big star in the UFC. He's one of the top draws. 
he's awesome. He'll take on all comers. Uh, very brash, very cool style, likes to dance around. He'll hit you from across the street. He's a kickboxing champion. He's that dude. He'll pour it on you. He's impossible to take down. But this fight is not going to go to the ground. Jared Cannonier is not going to try to take him down. Jared Cannonier is also a kickboxer. Both of these guys, great counterpunchers. Jared Cannonier is a better counterpuncher, in my opinion. He's stronger, I think, and he's because he used to be a heavyweight. Let's not forget he, he's coming down all the way from heavyweight. This guy is jacked. But he's also 38. He's been around. Uh, you know, he's no joke. This is a real fight. Uh, both of these guys like to stand and bang. I can see it coming. Both of these guys, uh, great kickboxers. You see a lot of leg kicks. I wonder if they're going to knock each other's knees right off their bodies. This is going to be a banger. But I think Israel Adesanya is going to take this one. I think the style bender retains here. Ah, the other main event. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, the featherweight champion, versus the blessed one, Max Holloway. So, Max Holloway has been the blessed era for a while. If you, if you remember back, uh, it was the Jose Aldo era in featherweight for a long, long time. He was very, very dominant until he was dethroned by the one and only Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor did starch him, but then never defended the belt. He moved up, and then it became the blessed era. Max Holloway dominated people he was the man and who should come along but the aussie alexander volkanovsky coming all the way down from light heavyweight he cut so much weight to get into this division he's in great shape he's been a dominant champion and he takes the belt off of holloway they have a rematch holloway cannot get it back and volkanovsky has been strong since he's been a very dominant champion uh so what to do here the two fights were very very controversial uh a lot of the you know, viewers believed that Holloway should have won them. They were split decision. Um, but at the same time, you look, like there is an argument to be made for Volkanovski. I did think that Holloway won those fights. But here comes the third in the trilogy. We have to do it, right? And I think the lesson to be learned is don't let it come down to the judges' scorecards. Holloway, arguably the best boxer in the history of MMA in general, honestly. And uh, Volkanovski, he's good everywhere. He's up, down, all around. He's very, very strong. Holloway's going to dance. Volkanovski's going to, you know, come every single which way. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that Holloway takes this one. But I think that, you know, this one's going to be really, really, care uh, really, really tricky. I think caution might be thrown to the wind by one of them as the, as the rounds get later. If we get into the championship rounds, I think caution will be thrown to the wind. I don't think they're going to let this go to the, score, uh, the scorecards. I'm going to say Holloway by TKO in the fourth round. But, you know, if this one goes to the ground, uh, Volkanovski is a very terrifying wrestler, big, strong guy. So, I don't know. If he can stick a move, I'm going to give this one to Holloway for sure. This is going to be a very interesting uh, fight card for sure. I think that one's the one to watch is Volkanovski versus Holloway. That's the number one fight. That's going to be fight of the night, in my opinion. This is the trilogy. And uh, we're going to find out who's the better man. And hopefully it doesn't go to the scorecards. I hope that we can see who really is the best and the king of the featherweight division. So that's what we got for UFC 276. This should be a banger. And that UFC 276 is this Saturday, July 2nd. You know, and you talked about a couple championships. Uh, we know you have a championship defense yourself tomorrow. You know, we don't usually talk wrestling on here. But uh, <clears throat> you're a champion. Tell us a little bit about what you got going on in your defense tomorrow and uh, a couple shows coming up. That's right, Northwest Championship Wrestling. I'm a uh, – 
putting my PWL television title on the line in an open challenge. So I can't tell you who's going to answer it. But all I know is nobody in Michigan has a shot at taking that off of me. And speaking of which, they better not take it off of me because I have to defend that thing on the on the uh, ninth at uh, Metro Pro Wrestling. I'm taking on Joe DeMaro. And uh, he's a great competitor. He's gone all over the world, night rider. But I'm going to send him crying back to his daddy, Alex Shelley, when he can't take my title, baby. That's the reality. And then uh, the night before that, I still don't know who I'm facing, but I'm defending the Pro Wrestling All-Stars Cruiser Corps Championship. That Friday, I don't really think it matters, to be honest. I think I've dominated that entire roster long enough. If you think anyone's going to take that title off of me, you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> you're going to have to bring in everyone. You have to bring in like Scotty too high to try to even attempt to take that thing off of me. Other Kurt Angle just posted a video. Maybe he is going to try to take it off me. Guarantee you there's nobody in that locker room. Hell, there's no one in Michigan who can take the Cruiser Corps title off of me or the TV title off of me. That's the truth. Aren't you like yeah. the longest reigning Cruiser Corps champion? It seems like you've had this belt for years. No, no, no. That's Movado. The answer is that I haven't been pinned in years. That's the reality over there. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Hell yeah, yeah you've baby. Been, you've been defending that like crazy. I know uh, they do a lot of uh, festivals and stuff like that and out there mm-hmm. at the, the recent mm-hmm. Taco Fest. So you've been defending yeah. it like, what, three, four times a day? A couple oh, yeah. Days oh, yeah. Uh, who have I defended on the festival shows against? Uh, Forever Young, Mysterious Movado, Isaiah Moore, the list goes on. You know, those are the most recent ones in my memory, but like, you know, there, there have been quite a few more. Like Josh Morris is in that camp. Uh, who else? Like, lot, lots of guys. What about you know, your instant classic with Shaggy? Oh, I don't know. Oh, that, that match didn't happen. I don't recall that. <laughs> I don't, well, to be honest, uh, I don't know if, like, it might have just been he was down on his luck. Shaggy, you know, we had to put Scooby down in that match. We had to rip him apart and kill him. So, it was what it was. Well, you guys want to get out there and see him defend one of his titles. You heard him talk about his shows he's got coming up, and he's always somewhere. ABZ, thank you for that UFC 276 talk. And now Dan O'Mac with the ad break. All right, for everything – Pro Wrestling Edge and Talking Sports with PWE. You can find us on social media at PWE Pod on all platforms. Um, for Edge of the Mind Podcast, you can find it at Edge of the Mind Pod on Instagram and Edge of the Mind Podcast by PWE on the Facebook group page. For everything PWE, you can find us at uh, PWEpod.com. There's links to our um, Brain Buster Tea store and and uh, all the episodes for this podcast and Pro Wrestling Edge. Um, we couldn't do this without our partners and our sponsors, Brew Psychedelics. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Psychedelics. And the link to the Etsy store for them will be in the description. Uh, Whirlwind Productions Detroit, if you're looking for any podcast production work or voiceover work, you can find them at Whirlwind Productions DET on Facebook and Instagram or Email them at whirlwindproductionsdet at gmail.com. Uh, Brain Jerk Entertainment. They are more than a podcast. All their content is at brainjerk.com. Uh, they do so much cool shit. Um, they have a taste of series where they go around to local restaurants and they spotlight them. And they have Drag Queen Bingo. Um, they have several podcasts and live streams. So check them out at brainjerk.com. Also, Ronnie Jaquist at Jaquist Photography. If you're looking for 
any type of photography needs, reach out to Ronnie. He does everything. Ronnie has transitioned from professional wrestling to photography and he, he's doing it all. So, uh, so get with him. He's on Facebook and TikTok at Jaquist Photography. Ronnie Jaquist on um, Instagram. And he did reach out to me and say he's trying to build his Twitter. Um, at horror underscore style on Twitter. Follow him. Um, like his stuff. Comment on there. He's trying to build that platform. He's still using the old wrestling gimmick on there, but it's all switched over to to, um, to photography. I think he's afraid of with, with Twitter losing his followers if he changed his handle. So I think he's going to stick to horror underscore style, but go follow him on Twitter um, for, and then get with him for all your photography needs. Um, there's one more special sponsor for this episode today. Last Friday, I happened to take a trip with um, the guys in my family down to Toledo for the Mud Hens game. And back on April 5th, I believe is when the date was, yes. The April 5th episode of Pro Wrestling Edge, we sometimes have a spotlight segment that we do. Uh, we've done a little more infrequently this summer, but it was a, it's a spotlight segment where we, spots, we spotlight a local business, somebody that is either connected with wrestling or connected with entertainment or, or just someone that has a small business or whatever. So we had on that episode, we had Brad Fields, the owner of Coops downtown. It's a new um, hot dog and, and ice cream shop right outside of fifth third field, like a half a block from fifth third field. And Brad is actually also big Kaz's cousin. So when I was down at Toledo, I um, made a trip over to Coops and I think I missed Brad by like 20 minutes. Um, he was gone for the day, but um, I, I, I ate there. If you're in Southern Michigan, um, Southeast Michigan or in, in Northwest Ohio, you might be familiar with a, with a spot called Nettie's. Nettie's is, is, is a hot dog place. So milkshakes, hot dogs, they have known for their chili and whatnot. Well, Brad is also the owner of that place. So he's brought the Nettie's dog to Coops. And one of the cool things about Coops is even though it's a milkshake ice cream place, you can get alcohol in your milkshake. You can get alcohol and that. So, um, so I'll, I had a Nettie's dog and I had a milkshake. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's phenomenal. If you've ever had a Nettie's dog, you, you know what I'm talking about. Good stuff. Um, their milkshakes are on point. So if you're ever in the area down there um, near, to, near Toledo, um, Fifth Third Field for the Mud Hens, go check out Coops downtown because um, he does good stuff. And I was actually there, and I took a picture, and I sent it to Brad. And I was like, hey, Brad. And he was like, oh, you just missed me. You know, thanks for coming out. And I told him that we would – give him a shout out on the podcast. And he's like, I definitely want to, um, you know, sponsor that episode. So Brad is, uh, sponsoring this episode of, uh, for coops downtown. And if you're in the area, check them out. Great stuff. And like I said, you can get alcohol in your milkshake. So if, if you're into that, you can uh, have a nice milkshake and get boozed up at the same time. So check them out uh, on Facebook. It's, it's coops downtown. If you search them on Facebook. That's a nice bonus right there to get the little 
extra shot in your milkshake. So uh, how was the Mudhens game? Did they win? Did they lose? Oh, it was the most boring game I've ever been to. Um, they, they lost. I mean, they yeah. half the roster are guys that's been on the Tigers, and we know why the Tigers suck because these guys were horrible in the game. So um, they uh, they had a pitcher, starting pitcher, that went pretty good. I think he went six, seven innings. He did pretty good, didn't let up a run. As soon as they took him out, the floodgates opened. But uh, it was a pretty good game. They were playing the Yankees minor um, – uh, the uh, Yankees AAA team. So, actually, Greg Bird, who who spent a lot of time with the Yankees, he was on a rehab assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, he played in the game, so it was pretty cool to see, uh, you know, somebody that usually p- puts on those pinstripes. But, you know, guys like Das Cameron was playing for Toledo. Uh, Zach Short was playing for Toledo. Akil Badu was playing for Toledo. All guys, if you watch the Tigers at all, these are all guys that have been in that rotation. So, um a lot of familiar faces, and it wasn't good. Well, at least the milkshake and the hot dog was good. Yes, it was. You know, we're going to get into the, the Stanley Cup finals wrapped up. We got some champions. But first, I'm going to give some congratulations to Roberto Luongo, Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Daniel Ed, uh, Alfredson, all on making the 2022 Hall of Fame. All amazing talents that never had their name written on the cup. So congratulations to those guys. And uh, the Stanley Cup, you know, it was an incredible cup, an incredible fan, uh, finals. They had overtime, controversial goals, and some hard-hitting defense. Uh, Josh said he was right over, right on the edge of his seat, whoever would win this cup. And whoever was going to win needed to win on the road. Game four, Colorado won on the road, put them up 3-1 in the series. And game five, Went to Tampa, winning in Colorado to put the series three to two. In game six, Tampa, it started out hot with Tampa on the attack for most of the first period and then taking a 1-0 lead. In the second period, Colorado was able to tie them, take the lead two to one. Third period, Tampa laid it on the line, trying to score and pulled the goalie with three minutes left to give them one man advantage, but to no avail, they were not able to score. Colorado Avalanche. They come up on top. They're your 2022 Stanley Cup champions. I know most of the people in this area really hate the idea that, you know, especially ESPN just came out with that 30 for 30 or the uh, E60 documentary called Unrivaled. But there it is, Stanley Cup champions. And within five minutes, they already dented the Stanley Cup. I don't know if you guys have seen that video. That's disrespect there was one good thing about uh colorado winning and that's former red wing darren helm won his second stanley cup um he won his last one 10 12 years ago with the red wings and then he won one with um with colorado so there's a nice picture of him holding stanley on the ice but yeah they definitely dented the cup and um and damaged the bottom of it pretty good um but the rumor was Tampa Bay was trying to soften the ice up to slow down Colorado. Oh, really? So if anything comes of that, that's pretty interesting. And considering now there's talking about Iserman has now put both Tampa Bay assistants as one a and one B as his choices to be the next coach. So, um, if there's any truth to that, we might have another cheater in 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 the city with uh, AJ Hinch and you know managing the uh, the Tigers. So, oh, you know, I didn't know that. So, like, 
they were heating up the ice to kind of make it more slushy. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Uh, well, that's they were saying that the ice was a lot slower and warmer as the series progressed in, in, in the games in Tampa. And it, there's no, like, I don't know if there's any proof to it. They're investing it, but it was a lot of mention to the ice getting soft as the series went on in Tampa Bay. I mean, it is Tampa. It's summertime. It's really hot down there. It just seems like a really odd thing. But, you know, I also thought, you know, the flight gate was really odd thing. And we all know how that ended up. All those rumors. So, right. So kind of we'll see if anything comes about. of it. But like I said, they're telling now that Eiserman's got one A and one B on those two assistants as his top choices. So we might get one of his Tampa assistants here um, with the Red Wings. Well, we'll see how that goes. Skating on soft ice in Detroit. Right. You know, on from Stanley Cup champions, we had the NBA draft last week, and we you know we had a lot of conversation about who we wanted, who the uh, projections were, and then after it was picked, it seemed like Detroit got excited about basketball, real excited about basketball again. ABZ, if you don't mind, I'm going to take your role of 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 talking quite a bit right now. <laughs> Go for it. Mind. So I was calling for it. Jaden Ivey, Jaden Ivey, and why the hell he did not go for why Sacramento did not pick him. He was sitting there at five. Detroit did the right thing and took him. So now we have one of the best backcourts, young backcourts in the league, Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey. You look back, like I said previously, the last two times that we were able to build teams to win championships, both of those backcourts were strong with uh, Thomas and Dumars and Rip and uh, Chauncey. So I'm excited about that. Then they go and completely fleece the New York Knicks, pull off a trade um, to, uh, to get the center Duran um, from Memphis. So, and, I mean, you can plug him right into the starting lineup along with Ivy and, and Cunningham, but I'm excited for that. And then, you know, Troy Weaver's doing something right in Detroit. I mean, we haven't had a good general manager in a long time since the early years that Dumars was there. So let me ask you this. With those with the transactions that's happened that you're so excited about, does that change how you feel about the trade that they made before the draft? I was never, um, like, really upset about it. I get it. They were trying to clear money. Um, they did take that pick and that pick alone to fleece the Knicks to get – Duran, they got Kimba Walker, and then they just you know bought him out. So they um, just got his his kind of the books. Kyle was the one that was really upset about that trade. Um, it, it was what it was at the time. I was like, oh, this is the, this is the Pistons, you know, the one guy that's that's good. But now you see the vision. They picked up the player option on Diallo. They offered the. Um, the uh, conditional extension to Marvin Begley Jr. or, or Marvin Begley III. Um, then they just fleeced the Knicks again, getting Nerland Noels and Alec Burks for nothing, basically giving the Knicks cap space to try to go out and get Jalen Brunson. So we've added um, veteran depth to this team. We are going to be re-signing two 
young um, role players and Diallo and Begley. Begley probably is going to end up starting at the four. It, it, it looks like, you know, they did release Luca Garza, who was their second round pick last year, but then there's been talk about maybe they might be picking him back up. But um, this is the first time in a long time. I think uh, Jamal will agree with me. It's there's been some excitement with the Pistons. Yeah, uh, for sure, man. I, I swear, once we had that that pick, and honestly, we, you know, everybody wanted Jalen Green because of the flash. You know, what I'm saying uh, he can get he can get a bucket, but you know, we need that that floor general. So K was the best toy. I think once we had that, that whole to me and my crew or everybody that mess with the Pistons at least they was once we had K was okay he was he's a big dude can he shoot the bucket and then preseason hit that boy like that form is oh okay and then it splash or I was okay he he could probably do it if you got a jumper that'll that goes a long way in the NBA you can work on the speed everything but if you can splash open shots sometimes or you know majority of time uh you should be good so and then after All-Star break, he was averaging, I think, a, a little over 20 points. I think his season average was maybe like 16, 17. So you got K doing that, man. And, and then to your point, uh, what you said about Bagley, yeah, I think he will be uh, one of the starters. He needs to be more efficient, and he might have to be able to shoot them threes because he can't be in there with, what you said, Durant. That's his, that's his name, right, the, uh, the yeah, big Durant. man we got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to be able to spread. Everybody got to be able to shoot these days. I don't know what you're doing if you don't know how to at least spread the floor. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, Stu. He was, um, yeah. at the end, like I said, they unleashed everybody. It seemed like Casey was like, all right, we'll put people in. Y'all just freestyle. And they was really battling good teams. Kevin Durant, I remember we mentioned this before. He um, he gave our team, you know, our team, he gave the Pistons, <laughs> like K, like love and stuff. Like you don't give no trash team love. You know, I ain't never heard no Sacramento King or anybody. But right. he said, "Hey, K, he got some future and stuff." So, you know, that's high praise from a legend like that. So, I'm a hey. I'm looking at every good thing possible, and he can play defense too. So, and not one dimensional. So and that's why I think that good. trade that happened today with Nerlens Noel and Air, um, Alec Burks. Alec Burks is going to be—he's he, a good shooter. He, he, what was it? Forty something percent was his shooting percentage, and he's going to help Cade and, and Ivy. And then, yeah, Noel wasn't what he was expected coming out of college, but he averaged, I think, four or five a game. But what he's going to help with—you got two young guys there, Begley, and you got Duran, and he's going to help them learn their game and he and both those guys have expiring contracts so after this season they're gone so you can keep them through the year it might be something where you're using them at the deadline for trade to pick up somebody to help you get down the stretch but Noel's going to be very valuable to those two big guys um because they did release Luca Garza was their second round pick last year and I heard a lot of people were upset about their second round pick this year they picked somebody from Europe that He's two or three years away from from being ready to try to transition in the league. So what does that do? They have somebody's rights who has potential that you're not going to need now. 
And if he works out and comes to the league, great. If not, you know, you might be set by then and he might end up being a good player. You can turn around and trade him or, you know, all else fails nothing because now you just released your second round pick from last year. So losing that second or picking a guy in the second round that is two, three years out from even coming here, having somebody's rights that might end up being good is a lot better than taking a guy like Garza hoping he can clear waivers where you can get him back. Cause that's what the talk is, is, you know, bringing him back on a, on a different deal. But uh, I'm excited for, for what the Pistons are doing. You know, like I said, they re-signed um, Hamadou Diallo and they're get that qualifying offer to Begley. But the talk is too, they're looking about extending Begley long-term. So I like that. That adds another young piece to that puzzle. So I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. And they still got some money to go out. They definitely need him to get him a small forward. I know there's been talk about Victor Oladipo. He's coming off that injury. I don't really think he fits uh, with what the plans are. More but, of a shooting uh, guard to me. Yeah, but I think you really need to go lock down you a small four. I know there's talk about Miles Bridges. He's He plays a four, but he's a, a, a small four. That may have been worked out, but now Charlotte's going to give him the max. So don't look like you're going to be in on that, but I really think they've got some money left about 20 million. They can go out and get themselves a pretty solid number three to put right in that starting lineup. And then your bench is, is, is squaring out pretty good. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for what the, uh, for what the Pistons got going on. Yeah, they definitely real quick. My bad. They definitely just need to keep up doing what they doing. Uh, Weaver, I think he's from OKC. So he drafted, You know, those guys from over there, Harden, KD, Westbrook. So, he's doing a great job. And, uh, like, now it seems like they should just build and just start adding pieces to their right. core to help them elevate. You know what I'm saying? Like, those main pieces, like you said, they got Berg from New York, uh, Noel to help that core elevate. Right. Like, everybody going to get replaced but that core until we find something that gel like Golden State did. And another young player on their team, Diallo, was drafted by Troy Weaver in, oh, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. you know, in OKC. So, um, his handprints are all over this team. That's why people were thinking that the Victor Oladipo thing might happen because he brought Oladipo to, um, to um, OKC for a year. But... Um, but I, I think what they're doing is good. Let's go out and get us a solid number three and then just have these veterans work with these young players. And, you know, Diallo is going to give you a bunch of points off the bench. Burke's going to give you shooting. Burke can play defense. Um, Nerland Noel can play defense. Um, Duran, they say, can just run the court. He's going to he's gonna uh, pick and roll. He's he, he's you know you're just gonna be able to throw up alley oops to him. I mean, it, it, we was one of the worst teams in pick and roll, and I think Duran is going to help that pick and roll shit. We was like the worst, one of the worst teams. Noel's pretty good at it. I, I believe Noel's yeah, yeah, pretty good at yeah. it. So that's gonna he's help. That's gonna help Duran. So yeah, it, it's it's looking up for the Pistons. Probably another year or so off, but they're building something there, and 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 I like what they're doing. I like. You know, Diallo is that Diallo to me, if they can keep him long term, his role is if you want to go back to the bad boy days is 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 kind of like a Vinnie Johnson. He comes in, he, he brings excitement, he brings energy, he can play defense, he can score. You know, there's just so many so much promise and so much to to look forward to going forward. So yeah, I'm I'm super pumped 
after draft night and after what's happened since the draft. It's going to get exciting in Detroit again. And like you said, they have all that money to spend. Maybe they sit on it, see how the season goes. We, we agreed that they did have about a year or two out, but with all these moves, they might be excelling a little bit quicker than normal. Exactly. Hopefully we get a nice big star to just come and compliment everything and just bring Detroit back to that, that time of, you know, making the playoffs, going to championships once more. But, but doesn't this kind of remind you of like, it's definitely a hybrid of the bad boys and, and the going to work team. I mean, it's just, it's panning out where we might have a good mix of those two, you know, elite, franchises or teams within that franchise and that I'm, I'm pumped. The, um, like the bad boys, I should know this, but, uh, uh, yeah, Isaiah Thomas, Dumars, that core, I think back then they, they drafted those guys. Am I mistaken? Maybe. Yeah. Dumars, Isaiah. Right. Yeah. I know those guys for sure. Rodman. Back in the Ben Wallace days, Chauncey Billups, those guys were like Where they brought it. Yeah, they brought it. Yeah. yeah. So it's I mean the Pistons seem like they can do it through the trades, but now it's like we back to the draft yeah. aspect of trying to build a team and hey man, it's looking good so far. I'm excited. Yeah. From all that talk, we're gonna round up the show. Like usual, open forum. Any last topics anybody wants to bring up? Hmm. Very interesting. I, I like honestly with with what you were saying before. I'm very, very, very much a uh, Fairweather fan of uh, the NBA and the Pistons, but it makes me kind of want to start watching again. Like I was a big fan, like when I was a kid, watching the uh, going to work team, and I was paying attention a little bit more in the uh, early 2010s when uh, they were making the playoffs a little bit more with Drummond and whatnot. But that makes me excited for the future of the Pistons. To be honest, uh, I don't know. What do you guys got for open forum? I mean, Detroit should be excited about all their sports right now. I mean, not so much the Tigers oh, yeah. aren't doing the greatest, but they have some. They've been having some really good highlights with some really young players that could be on the team for you know a longer period of time. Um, but the Wings are looking for a new coach. They have a nice young team. The Lions, I think, are really going to surprise people. And that's, you know, me as a Packers fan to say, you know, I think Detroit's going to be the biggest competition in the division this year for Green Bay. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we split the series. Detroit's going to be tough. They have that bred into them this year. And then the Pistons making all these moves. I think Detroit's going to be exciting. And next year they're going to go back to preaching April and the D because everybody's going to be excited to be coming back. So when we revisit this next year, we'll be like, right. oh, yeah, I remember – Big Cass called it. Detroit's getting exciting again. Well, the big thing about the Lions is exciting is there's been a culture shift. And I think that's what that's what needed to happen from what was the last regime and actually the last couple of regimes because there was carryovers. Going back to the Matt Millen era, there's been carryovers. So we finally got a totally different team in there. We got a different culture. Brad Holmes, I think he's going to prove similar to Troy Weaver. He's going to be one of the best young general managers that we see in the league. Um, just some of the stuff that he's doing, you know, he, when he was with the Rams, he was in charge of their drafts and Rams had the most starters that were selected in the fourth round and on. 
So I'm excited to see what Brad Holmes is going to do. I mean, I mean, doesn't Dan Campbell have us all wanting to bite kneecaps off? I mean, shit, he's just, I mean, he's what, you know, and players that's played from in the past, like with the saints. And, and when he was the interim coach of the dolphins, they all say that he had you, he had you wanting to run through walls and that hasn't happened in Detroit in a long time. So that's definitely exciting uh, to see what happens. Don't know where they're at yet. I still think they're, like like the Pistons, probably at least a year off from really shining, and we got to figure out the quarterback situation. But um, yeah, exciting things like you said with the Lions. With Goff's the, not the answer. What was that? I'm sorry, Goff's not the answer. No. What do you mean, Goff's not the answer? No, no. <laughs> Goff is not. He, the made, answer. He, he made a whole ass Super Bowl. He made a whole ass Super Bowl. Golf isn't the answer. He Uh, top five passing yards since 2017. He's still not the answer. He doesn't fit what (laughs) the Lions are trying to do. Um, Just like, like, like that list. I would like like to see who the the ones above him because I bet Stafford is above him that played for the Lions. So right underneath him. Right yeah, six. But well, I yeah. will say this when golf golf was in a very good situation with the Rams where it played to his, yeah. his strengths, just like Nick Foles, Nick Foles was really good for the Eagles. Got a big contract and went to the bears and he just didn't fit in with the bears. I think now he's with the Colts, but, um, well, I think, I think to be fair, like he kind of got screwed a little bit. Like when he went to Jacksonville on that contract, like he was never going to be like that good. But then he went to Jacksonville, was having a killer game, immediately gets hurt. Minshew Mania takes over. And it's like, well, we're not going to bench the rookie now that we're already out. So it's like, all right, well, I guess go to the Bears. He was the best quarterback on the Bears, but still like they needed, like they were, you know, they drafted fields. They, They needed to play him. Uh, so I mean, it was what it was. Well, not at the time it wasn't Fields. It was it was uh, yeah, Justin like, Fields. Um, it, well, not right, 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 right. But, but like before that, he was behind um uh, Trubisky. Yeah, because they they needed to find out what they had left in Trubisky. You know, they pulled Trubisky for Foles. They went a little bit. Uh, they pulled Foles again for Trubisky. They still uh, like. It was just a terrible team. It was just a terrible situation. But like it is what it is. Like that like we don't have to talk forever about the great backup. I mean like but to be fair, like the golf is definitely not the answer. But I will right. I, I feel not the worst about golf coming off uh the bench. Like, I think he, I think his future is that of like a low end starter, like a high end backup. I mean if you if you have to have like a top star who's aging out. Like if I like, I'd want him as my backup. If I have Brady, I'd want like a Goff. Or like I think he, he ends up being like another like Nick Foles type guy where he's a premium backup like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Nick Foles you know? and Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. And and so. something I want to talk to you. I know you probably got some stuff you want to talk about, Big Cas. But it, it's kind of coming to a head. The the meetings are happening with the retired judge of what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson when it comes to disciplinary action in the league. And there's been more talk about quarterbacks moving places. Um, For a while there, there was some, it kind of heated up about Baker going to Carolina. And now the talk is Jimmy G 
um, might be the quarterback that ends up eventually in Carolina instead of Baker. Um, there's been talk of the league wants a season that Deshaun's out of season. There has been rumors that this retired judge who's going to make her recommendation to, to, to uh, Roger Goodell is saying eight games. Um, anywhere between eight games or a season, obviously Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback in Cleveland whenever he's able to play, whether it's halfway through the season, next season. But if you are the Cleveland Browns, do you, with Deshaun out, keep Baker and, and, and try to mend that and have him play while Deshaun's out? Or do you go to Jacoby Brissett, who Jacoby Brissett played very well with New England when he was there in a backup role, coming in playing with a, a thumb with a torn ligament and played very well because Jimmy G wanted to not play because he thought his future contract was more important than playing for the, for the Patriots. Um, you know, Jacoby Brissett did very well when he had to come in when Andrew Luck retired out of nowhere uh, with the Colts. He was very serviceable. Yeah, he didn't really have much in Miami, but there was a lot going on down there. You know, the fan base is split between two. Uh, so he really didn't have a fair shot down there. Do you go with Brissett and you try to unload Baker or do you keep Baker? And if you keep Baker, you're saying Baker is a better option than Jacoby Brissett. Uh, what do you think, Big Cass? Oh, I, you know, I don't think Baker plays another snap for the Cleveland Browns, period. Absolutely not. I think, you know, they'll come to him. They want him to play now because of this. And, but they're not going to move him if they don't get the right price. And it's already been, you know, shopped around the league. Nobody wants to give the Browns what the Browns want for Baker Mayfield. I believe he sits out this year completely. And maybe next year something might happen. But uh, Jacoby's going to start the year for Cleveland. They're, Cleveland's going to count on this year kind of being one of those mediocre years, hopefully get a couple wins with Jacoby. Hopefully when Deshaun comes back, they'll get some momentum, maybe some wins. Who knows? Even uh, just media attention is good enough for them. It'll sell tickets. It'll sell TV time. Uh I don't think the Cleveland Browns or Baker Mayfield are going to play this year. <laughs> and I think if you go Jacoby Brissett, you can play closer to the same style of offense than you could if you had Deshaun Watson in there. And other than if you played Baker, I think you've got a totally different offense than what even you if have you, if you played Deshaun. Even if Baker agreed to come back, he's knowing he's coming back and not going to be the guy. They're not going to keep an offense surrounding him when they want an offense that's going to be completely different for Deshaun Watson. So what do you think AVZ? I, uh, well, that my biased opinion is, uh, Hey, uh, if Cleveland Browns management is listening, I know, I know, uh, they definitely are listening for sure. Uh, might we interest you in drew lock and a bag lunch? I think, I think drew lock is a great, a great fit for that Cleveland Browns offense. I think he is your kind of guy. I mean, he's, perfect for a guy who's going to show up suck and then you get rid of him you want him right i mean like he he could be your next brandon weeded it could even be a brandon weeded think about that and and i mean i think that baker would look absolutely great 
in the blue and green. I think he should come to Seattle. But uh, in all seriousness, I think that uh, – but by the way, I, that is one of the rumors is that like the, the Seattle Seahawks are still interested in Baker, but not for what they want for him. I think Baker should sit. I don't think he will. I think he's going to come in halfway through the season uh, at, or at some point. I think he's going to sit out, but I think he is going to play. Um, he's a gamer. I think he has a chip on his shoulder, and I think he wants to deliver a fuck you um, to a lot of people. He's always been that kind of guy in college. So I think Baker will actually play at some point during this season. I just don't know what that means. Uh, it's kind of like a shit situation for the Browns, right? They have a good team. They have a really good team, like built around, like they have a team that can win. I can't, they win the whole thing. Probably not, but they're a playoff team. Possibly they're a tough, tough, tough vision as they always have been. Um, but you know, honestly, they're probably like third in that division. Uh, you know, they're going to, you know, I don't know what the Seals are going to look like this year, but, the, but Tomlin's such a good coach that, we lost ABZ, but uh, and and like with Pittsburgh, I think that um, oh here here he's back, maybe. ABZ, you with us? I'm back. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right, cool. Sorry about that. I lost connection for just a hot sec. Yeah, I think that um, you know, they're a good team. They have one of the best running uh, uh running back cores there. And they have Amari Cooper now, so I, I do think that they're a team that could be like a, a just under 500 team with Brissett, but it's unfortunate for them because they're in that window right now where like they need to be making playoff pushes. And if I were them, I would do anything I can to try to get Baker on the field because they might have a shot here. But if I was him, I. I would say, but I think he's a gamer. I think he's in play. I personally think if the ruling comes down and he gets half the season, I think they go with Brissett. Uh, Brissett can be serviceable with that offense around him um, to be good enough not to get them too far behind. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to mend a relationship with Baker, him going into it, knowing that he's only going to be able to play eight games and then Deshaun's back and then he's not playing again. I don't see Baker doing that for his ego. I don't see Baker doing that. You know, he's not going to want to come back and then know that all the money Deshaun's playing, he's not going to uh, to continue playing. But if he's out the whole year, I think they roll out the red the red carpet for for, uh, for Baker. They do whatever they can to get Baker to uh, want to come back and play the season with the Browns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. so. So maybe I misunderstood that. So basically what you were asking was, is it, do I think Watson's going to play this year? Is, do you think he's going to get the eight games? Hell no. There's no way. Like he is definitely, I think he's out for the year in my opinion, for sure. Uh, like regardless of what the judge is recommending, he like what he's done is a huge black eye on the entire league. Like, and you can't let that go, especially like in today's climate, like, the the optics of what that is, aside from like it's what twenty three accusations he settled almost all of them. But the point is like, how many the the look on the NFL now is like, how many times are you going to let these guys slide? How many times are we going to let uh you know sexual harassment, sexual assault, that kind of stuff slide? They I don't think he should play this whole year. Are you like especially in a division like you know 
Uh, I, I can't see him playing this year so at all. The regardless reason, of what the, the reason why I brought this up, because you have to look at, I think the whole wild card in this situation is Roger Goodell. Um, Cause you got to look at it like in, in two ways, they are going and having this third party hear the case and give a recommendation. If Goodell comes out and says, you know what? It doesn't matter what she wants. I'm doing a year. Then it just shows like, okay, what was the reason to bring in the third party person? If Goodell was just going to make the decision he was going to make anyway. And I think he should get a year, but I think Goodell looks at everything as protecting that shield and whether the mindset of the shield is give them the complete year and fuck them. He, he, he's got to do this or you know what? It's going to make us look bad if we just take her recommendation and say, fuck it and give him whatever we want anyway. It's like, so I, I think it's going to be where um, whatever Roger Goodell believes is the best way to protect the shield. Um, I think it's going to be the year. I don't think they're going to take any recommendation less than a year. And I think the next thing that's, that has already started to talk about is, okay, we've done stuff with players. You know, Ray Rice got suspended indefinitely, you know, never played again in the league. Uh, there's guys. He that, well, true. Then there's guys like, you know, like Kareem Hunt had a, had a suspension and all this stuff. There was a talk today that came up. I was, I was watching some stuff t- uh, today. It is what about owners? What about owners that have done similar things? There was the Robert Kraft situation with massage parlors. Supposedly there was something just earlier this year with Jerry Jones that was definitely kept under wraps, but they're saying there was some stuff going on that he was accused of that was swept underneath the rug. So you have these owners too. If, if, if we're going to punish the players like we have, which I think that it's, it's warranted. Are they not going to punish the owners that do stuff like that? Just because of the money that the owners are bringing into the league. It kind of, you know, might, if people dive into that, it's going to set a double standard. Like it's okay for a millionaire billionaire to do it, but it's not okay for someone who's representing the shield on the field to do it. Well, it shouldn't be okay for either. I mean, like, to be honest, I I think it's super gross if he plays at all, but uh, you know, like, yeah, you said it was kept under, under wraps. Yeah. That's, that's super gross and icky, but like this one's out in the open, right? So you can't, you can't deal with what you can't see. So we see this, Let's deal with that, right? And the precedent needs to be set that this is unacceptable behavior. And I understand, like, you know, what I can see how you can get wrapped up in the concept of, like, feeling untouchable as a player, even more so as an owner, right? And there's more people willing to protect an owner in that situation. But you're seeing it more and more. It's starting to come out. And, uh, like, look what happened with Vince McMahon just recently. We don't know what's going to happen with him. But – this is the kind of situation where, like, this is the stuff we need to start cracking down on. There shouldn't be a double standard. But if this is where we have to start, that's where we have to start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not untouchable just because, you know, you're the guy. That's yeah. – it's gross. It's icky. It shouldn't happen. Um, and I think that all of these guys should be gone after for these situations. But those things – that we can't, we can't go after what we don't know. And, again, we are even way more in the dark as, you know, we're fans. We're, we're talking about it here. But I mean, if if I was even the Browns, I would like it's rough, but I almost would want Watson out for a year because 
at this point you had like the Browns already had heat, right? Now you're going to get fuck you go away heat with that kind of situation. And uh, you know, I, ugh, it's gross. It's gross. And yeah, absolutely. More needs to be done about the owners too. I was also reading today the way they structured Watson's contract. His base out of this year is only a million dollars. And they, and they ran the money down the, you know, down the year. So I think doing that was proof to say that, yeah, he's not playing this year. We'll pay him a million dollars to sit out the year and then we'll start paying him the big money there, you know? And, and another thing that we're talking about the owners is of Daniel Snyder. He's refusing to accept the subpoena. He's gone like out of the country. He won't accept the subpoena to, to come and, 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 and testify and, you know, and in front of the, the panel or whatever. And then, but then you see a league like the NBA several years ago. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the Clippers, that owner had to sell his team. He, the team was taken from him from remarks that he made. So it's like the reason why I kind of doubt the right call is going to be made here is look how long the Dan Snyder stuff been going on and look how long it's been out there. And now he's playing games with a league where he's just, a while out there coming out and saying, I'm not accepting this. If you can't physically give it to me, I'm not breaking any laws by not going and, and uh, testifying or coming in front of the, of the, of the, um, of the panel. So it's it just, the, the NFL has done so much over the years to cover shit up. And, you know, back in the days of like Warren moon and James Brown or a uh, Jim Brown, the running back for the Browns and, and, so long the NFL has covered up everything that these guys have done that have been horrible, horrible things. And now it's getting to the point where they can't. So I'm going to be interested to see what's going to happen to Dan Snyder. You know, I think, you know, for if everything that's being said about Dan Snyder, he should have to relinquish ownership of that team and give it up completely. If, if the stuff about Jerry Jones, I was kept under wraps. So it comes up, he needs to pay a price for those kind of things. But I think, I think the NBA did it right when they kicked the, the Clippers owner out. And I think that the NFL needs to start making a statement. And I think you're right. ABC. It starts with Deshaun Watson. You give him the, the worst penalty that you can give, which I think is going to be a year out of the league. And then, but, we can't stop there. We got to go. Like you said, keep the owners accountable too, as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I think this summer is going to stay a little more exciting because of these off the field shit that's going on. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm, well, I, well, what's, what's kind of crazy here. I mean, and yes, Buck Dan Schneider. Absolutely. Like there's a, a bigger issue with that, with dodging, you know, that kind of comes down to, um, also, the, the U.S. legal system, yeah, if you're not served, you're not there. He's playing games. But, like, his time is coming. There's a, there's no way he's dodging this forever. The heat on him is too big. He's going to have to sell that team at some point, I think. Uh, but, you know, that's the next thing. Uh, he is playing those games, so it's going to be a little bit. But with Watson, we're talking about something like, it's like, oh, should he be out eight games, should he be out ten games, should he be out a year? Like, he's lucky to ever play again. Like, like let's be honest. Like, if you were – at another company, for example, and you, and you were there doing your job, I don't care if you were a superstar or whatever um, within your company as like a civilian, like 
and you get 23 allegations of sexual assault against you, that you're not coming back. Like you don't get to play. Like, yeah, yeah, you're done. So, so like he should, he'd be lucky to be out a year and to play again. That's, are you kidding me? And, and that's not enough. So what's, why are we protecting all of these people? These are not, so with great power comes great responsibility, right? So in addition, so we look at, oh, you know, well, you know, he's done all this. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be a role model for all these kids trying to come up, trying to be like you. All these people, you know, maybe from uh, rough situations, trying to, you know, get that scholarship to go to college. Maybe they're going to make it in the NFL and make generational wealth for like their family. They're fighting for that, right? And you're supposed to be the role model. That's your job. That's part of your obligation. Being an NFL quarterback, a French of the, uh, face of the franchise like that, isn't just a matter of being good at football. No, 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 no. You, you are a role model. You are what people are looking at. So when you do shit like this, like examples need to be made of, you know, and, and the only thing that people have really been in the NFL, like the things that people have, like, it's been like murder or worse. Like that's, that's the level, but lately it's been a little bit better. I mean, look at what happened right. to Gruden and, and as he should be, you know, he's been ostracized for some of the comments that he made uh, and they were gross. And, and you see that the way he, like Gruden through the Gruden emails, you see that old boy talk, that locker room talk, but that wasn't being like, that wasn't locker room talk. He was sending that to like other people within the organization. He was sending that to employees. So you need to be held accountable for your actions, especially when you're in the public light like that. So, you know, this isn't once or twice. This isn't maybe he's an okay guy. This is 23 accusations of sexual assault. So right. he's lucky to just be out a year. And it's funny you talk about civilian jobs. You're gone. I don't know if you remember former wrestler Joseph Ryan. He lost his civilian job today because of the allegations that happened when he was a wrestler. So, you know, weird. It, it, it's it's following, you know, it's fo- yeah. Obviously, I think it had a little bit to do with this high profile case, but even a civilian job, like you said, you're, you're not going to keep your job. And, and, and a prime example there, he lost his job because of the accusations and the things that he did in the past. So yeah, it's, it's, it just puts a black eye on the NFL. And here's the other thing. Like it's not even like accusations at this point, you're settling cases. You didn't yep. fight them. You didn't, you didn't fight them. They're just gone now. Oh, okay. What happens when you settle a case? Is that an admission of guilt? Mm, you know, it's an admission of here's some money. Please shut up. I'd like to play football again. That's not right. that's not handling the situation. If he if he really felt that way and it was only one or two cases, maybe three cases, he would have fought that, fought that tooth and nail, you know? Yeah. And that's what would happen. Like, you know, for somebody who isn't guilty, this is a gross, gross, gross situation. This is a serial offender, and this is someone who's settling cases, not fighting. So mm. Yeah. I I agree with you. Because well, you know, we'll go from that talk. You know, we had a <laughs> – it's hard to follow up that. It's very serious, very, very serious deal right there. Let's and, lighten you know, it up. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you got some good stuff for us. Y'all NFL know. just make it right, you know, make the make the punishment fit the crimes, you know, because you had players that are out there suspended for multiple years just because they smoked a little weed. But right. players that are facing multiple accusations for, you know uh, – anything in the sexual sense, you know, Kelvin, you... Kelvin Ridley's out, out of the, out of the league. Cause for of gambling. Year. 
because he put fifteen hundred dollars on his team, like like on, on DraftKings, fifteen hundred dollars to him is like, like he put a quarter on that shit. Are you kidding me? Uh, like I mean, Pete Rose will never be in the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame because he was betting on it, you know. So that that's a little sketchy on that one. I what is sketchy? But I mean, feel, like, I, like if you played professional sports, okay, say you're playing your sport and you just knew, you know, your team isn't the greatest. You just knew you were going to lose. Would you bet uh, against your team? I mean, but but the thing is, what, what ABC is saying is somebody bet what would be like 20 bucks to us. And yeah, he yeah. got and he lost an entire season. Right. That, that charge or that act nowhere near compares to. That's the crime. The, the right. you know what's going on right. now and and they're talking a recommendation is going to be brought up by a former supreme um a state supreme court or su- su- a state judge of eight games oh and i have so much i have so much respect <laughs> for the supreme court oh of course yeah i know it's the state supreme court but yeah of course yeah they must know everything no ridiculous like so even with the 1500, yes, he should have been suspended for that for a full year. I don't know. But either way, like you can cl- like Ridley can claim ignorance on that, right? Like, oh, I was young. I was dumb. I didn't know. I was stupid. Like, I shouldn't have done that, right? That's a, oh, I shouldn't have done that situation. 23, uh, you know, 23 cases, not accusations, cases where evidence was presented, okay, against somebody for sexual assault is a whole different ball game. And you and I are like, ready to pay people off. Right, right, and I like I don't know how much he paid, but I guarantee you it wasn't fifteen hundred dollars. So, right. yeah, right. All right, let's lighten it up, Big Taz. <laughs> so y'all you think know, Baker won't play like because it seems like nobody wants him, want to pay it. So y'all so, don't think he's gonna? I think step people, up to the play like let me go ahead and play people these, want him. Hopefully, they, they picked up his fifth year option is eighteen million dollars. I think what it is is that people want the Browns to eat some of that. It's just a business point. It, they want the Browns to eat a portion of it. Um, it. You know, like anything, if you could get the best of the best for a discount, are you going to want the discount? Right. So, you know, I don't blame Seattle for wanting Baker, but you say, you know what? Will you eat eight or eight million of that contract? You know, will you take eight million of it or will you split it with us? Um because it's a prove it thing for Baker if he goes to like an example of Seattle. It's a prove it for him. Is is it's his audition on whether or not he's going to be a Seattle Seahawk long term if that's the team that's interested, or but why Seattle going to pay him eighteen million when they can pay Drew Locke next to nothing and probably get the same outcome of of not making the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? If that's the case, why pay somebody 18 million? If you can get them for 10 or, or nine, sure. But you're not going to pay 18 million for a guy that you might have one year. And, you know, it's just like what the Panthers are in right now with uh, Sam Darnold. He's sitting at $18 million and you know, what's, you know, he, it's a fact he's not coming back. And they're paying him $18 million. Why would Seattle pay or another team pay Baker $18 million when there's no guarantee he's going to play enough to become their – because the other thing with Baker is, it, he, you know, he can 
on the field, he can play. But one of the big problems with Baker that's been said all along is his attitude. They say he's still really immature and he's not a leader. That That's the big problem that Stefanski had with him when Stefanski become the coach. Not what he can do, honestly, because I think Baker is good enough with that team around Cleveland to take them to the postseason. But it's that attitude, that that um, that line of swagger to cocky. He leans towards that cocky side. It, it, it's if that wasn't a problem, somebody might take him for eighteen million this year. But with that being the issue that he's not going to be a locker room leader, he's not going to be a leader on the field. You're not paying eighteen million for a guy to get a audition to where if he's going to be your long term answer. I mean, people said that about Cam Newton, and he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl, so I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So. Cam Newton changed from – because I, I actually – I did not like him in college. I thought he was too cocky for all the same reasons that you just listed about Baker. But when he came to the NFL, I felt like his first few years he was a different person, and he changed it. And then, yeah, but, that's called, man, that's, that's you, called maturing you, and growing up, Yeah, right, which apparently Baker hasn't done that yet. You know, he takes him to the right. Super Bowl and just watches it get picked up and taken by somebody else. But at the same time, Baker's work is, is playing for an organization that, like, notoriously has no control over their players, right? They're not – like, the Browns are not an organization that, like, will hold their players accountable. Like, look at Johnny Manziel, right? Uh, he had a lot of potential. He could have been a guy, but he had the same problem. Baker's doing a lot better than him. But, like, again – you know, he's cocky, he's bash, he's 27. That's, you know, let, let's start Let's start getting together, bro. You're 27, right. right? But at the same time, like, he hasn't really been in that situation. He's kind of been the big dick in the locker room up until this point. Finally, the heat's being put on him. I guess we're going to find out. Maybe he is that guy. Maybe he won't grow up. Maybe he will fade out. But either way, like, he – this is the make-or-break moment for him. Maker-baker moment, right? Hmm. So we'll we'll find out. But – whatever oh he's not a great leader hey guess what browns you haven't had a great leader yeah. like ever so like, what do you want to do now and the thing is is <laughs> he hasn't been a good you know supposedly he's not a good leader and not a good attitude but he's still the best quarterback that franchise has had some people's gonna say bernie kozar was better but he might go down right now because deshaun Watson hasn't played and and and, and or whatever but Baker's been the best that they've had and look how he's being treated. Why would Deshaun Watson want to go to Cleveland? I think it was Cleveland's going to be dumb enough to play to pay me when all this shit happens and shit hits the fan. That's where I'm going to go. So, right. Like I said, Cam grew up and, and again, he, he led his team right to the Super Bowl. He was, uh, at least for – I don't think you can really, you know, judge somebody by, like, uh, you know, once once their star starts fading, you know, your body will start deteriorating, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, he went from someone who people, like, call them, you know, this and that. But at the end of the day, he was super cam, man, and people uh, – his team rallied around him. Uh, and uh, he was – like, they loved him in uh, Carolina. He's a legend there. He'll, he'll probably be a Hall of Famer. So – if he can, he can turn it around. I mean, Baker can turn it around. Like they can happen again. I'm not saying he will, but you know, maybe this is that aha moment for him. I think Seattle's a team that if Baker went to it, he would turn it around and could turn it around there. 
I mean, Baker and DK Metcalf, I mean, he's going to have still one of the best receivers in football. Like that leadership of Pete Carroll out there too, though, like to kind of give that guidance to Baker as to which like he, he hasn't had it in Cleveland. There's always been drama around Cleveland before Baker, during Baker, and there will be after Baker. Right. Who's hey, the bat- speaking of Who's sorry, the- sorry, speaking of Pete Carroll, he'll like he's a nice guy. He's like you know positive. Peter he always says all this nice stuff, but he will bench your ass for for you know he will bench you. So mm. who are hey, the Baker. quarterbacks there right now? AVZ is it Geno Smith? It's Geno Smith and Drew Locke. So the thing is, the thing is, what has been the reputation of Geno Smith throughout the league? He's very professional and yep. he's very mature. Yep. If Baker goes there, not saying Geno's going to help him a lot on the field, but Geno could be a guy that could help him off the field. I agree. And I think that's what they're hoping for with Drew Locke, right? Like where Geno can kind of help him with that. Uh, but the talent's not there. Yes, that's the unfortunate thing. He did come out of like uh, he was super high draft pick out of a out of a draft class that like you know the next drafted quarterback was EJ Manuel, right? So that was an untouted quarterback class, kind of like this year. Like, will Kenny Pickett be like that? We don't know. But at the end of the day, he he needs that veteran behind him to talk to him and you know maybe guide him. Has he had that yet? I don't know who his backups have been. Up until this point, I you know Brissett's there now, but I don't think he was there last year, was he? Um, I think one year he had. Um, who was the uh, Texans? Um, who was the candidate for that? Josh McCown was there, but I think McCown's Josh McCown's right. only there for one year behind right. Baker. Right, and at that point, they, they were almost fighting for the starting job, right? Where McCown yeah. like still had juice, even into you know, he he right. played deep in his like into his forties, right? Yeah, so. You know, he needed more of that. He needed guidance. He needed a coach. You know, he's had, he's had a coach in carousel. He needs people behind him who can guide him. Like, maybe he's – like, maybe Mitch Trubisky is one of these guys who, like, we'll see what happens with the Mitch Trubisky experiment mm-hmm. in uh, Pittsburgh. Maybe he will get the start this season. You know, I hope he does. We'll get to see what happens there uh, with a good organization and a good coach, like a legendary coach like Mike Tomlin, who absolutely will not be taking any shit from anybody – you know what I mean? <laughs> like, if there's one, like, if there's a guy, like, like, he gives you that disappointed look. He's like, "No, you shut the fuck up, man!" Like, I'm the the coach. He's that guy, and uh, man, he he dealt with a lot of personalities there. Uh, we'll see if that kind of thing can happen with Baker if he transfers organizations to a place that has a winning culture with a with a serious head coach that that has been to the dance before. They know what they're dealing dealing with. They've worked with like big personalities before. And again, we talk about like uh, the Seattle going back to being a homer here. I mean, look at all the personalities that Pete Carroll had to manage when they had uh, the Legion of Boom there. You had Richard Sherman and all that. Like those guys were big personalities, man, and they weren't playing around. But he got them to play together. Maybe that's what can happen with Baker. We don't know, but it's not going to happen with the Browns. You know, I think that one of the worst things that can happen for a great talent like that is that they end up going to a terrible situation. The Browns are a terrible situation. You know, it's good to see Like you talk about the lions uh, starting to turn it around with Dan Campbell. You know, I, I think it's important for him to be in there for another couple of years to maybe get a culture shift. You were right. You know, talking about culture shift, like, yeah, Jim Schwartz and uh, Caldwell, they were both very good coaches and they got, uh, the Lions to the playoffs, 
but you know, maybe what they were lacking was that difference in culture. And maybe that's what Dan Campbell can offer. Maybe that's what the Browns, like the Browns really need that too. So they have, a, they have a team that can win. So hmm, this is the yeah, best shot they've had in forever for right. the Browns. And, it, and it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for that organization, not, not for the organization, fuck the organization. It's unfortunate for those fans that they finally have a team that can do it, right? They finally have a team that's real. And they have for a little bit now with like, you know, they had Odell, they had uh, Landry, they had the best running back core in the NFL. And you just, this is your window to be great or at least good. And it just isn't happening. And, you know, if you have to rebuild from here, you know, I feel bad for the Browns fans, but Hey, you know, that's, that's what you are, you know, that's, that's what it's like. And the Browns. Yeah. You know, and then all this football talk, this is the last episode of Talking Sports Season 2. We're going to take a summer break. We're going to come back right before the NFL preseason starts up because we are going to do the first ever Talking Sports six-team fantasy football league. So we're going to tweak the rules up a little bit to make it fit, to make it work. ABZ offered his hands at commissioner so he gets the rule rule of the roost and uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun you know we're gonna figure out these rules when we come back football time we're gonna be amped we're gonna be ready you guys have a great summer hey before we go Jamal thank you for joining the show this season uh greatly appreciate it we we love having you a part of it big Kaz. Thank you for taking over and uh, running the roost on this one. I obviously, you know, I don't have time <laughs> to do this and, and it, it, I'm glad that you stepped up and, and, and you've done a fantastic job. I know season two was during season one and I know season three is going to be different than season two. So thank you for uh, stepping up Jamal. Thanks for, for joining the team and AVZ. We're happy to have the MMA talk because you've taught us a lot. Thank you so much for having me. You guys thank are you. all awesome. Thanks for having me, bro.